Hi, welcome to the Good Energy Healing Show. This is Hillary Crowley, and today my guest is Jean Brooks. I am so excited to get Jean here from upstate New York. We are chatting about being light workers in this amazing time that we're living in. Um, Jean Brooks is an ecosystem architect, a fellow light worker, and the CEO of Varego Futures, a company that's global and it focuses on democratizing technology through connection science. Welcome, Jean. Thanks for being here. How are you doing today? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah, me too. Me too. Talk to me about um, connection science. That's kind of what I feel like everyone who's tuning in today, you know, anyone who puts on their headset and listens to the podcast while they're doing the dishes, we're all doing connection science, or are we? What, what is connection science? Sure. Um, so connection science can mean different things to different people. It, I came around to it because uh, my career has sort of risen in a few different planes. It's risen in community organizing and connecting communities. Um, it's risen through journalism and storytelling as the fabric that weaves us all together. And it's also been driven through, it's also risen through technology and leveraging technology um, to better create a world um, where all people can thrive. Uh, so for me, um, I guess I will add a fourth as well, which is sure. connection science for me has really been about um, my connection to wholeness and my connection to spirit and intuition and all that that brings to the designs that I'm helping to create as well. And so you are leading a company conscious of all these factors. Um, do you have any peers? Have you met any people out there or are you just on the cutting edge of, of um, how we're going to be leading companies in the future? Well, actually I'm finding that as I align deeper and deeper with this vision that I am in fact finding there are lots of people um, Ecosystem architect as a profession is, um, it's known in niche circles. It's not widespread, but there are tons of people doing the type of work that I'm doing in, in many different facets. Um, so whether it's, you know, we, we think Virago Futures, my company, we're a community design studio. So there are certainly companies that are out there that are helping to foster community designs. Um, what that means real physically is developing networks or helping to support movements or community experiences that, um, that, bind, that bond people. Uh, but in terms of a sort of holistic approach to any type of work or leadership, if you will, um, I find that the more that I open up to that, the, 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 the more peers and mentors and leaders that I'm discovering who are, um, who are really using their guidance and their connection to the earth and the universe to drive their visions. And yeah. Mm, so, so when I read these articles, I think I read one last week about how robots maybe replacing 
workers and companies and the, and the processing and, and analysis. Um, are you doing the opposite of that or are you befriending the robots or what, what do we think about when we think about um, the, the, what the workplace will look like five years from now in America yeah. or around the world? Yeah. Um, I think about it a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be a lot of change and we will probably see some chaos and destruction along the way. But ultimately, um, my work, we befriend the robots. Um, part of, part, <laughs> part of, you're the, the you're the Jetsons. Yeah, no, really yeah. we are. No, yeah. actually the, the Jetsons, uh, she, I don't think that in the Jetsons she, that, do you know what I'm referring to? Oh, yeah, are we having right. a generation? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think that she got treated with enough respect. She was a maid. She had to wear that. That was like a 1950s model. We want our robots to have a little bit more civil rights, I would think. So, yes. um, well, that's a huge part of the work that I do actually, Hillary, because, um, I do use technology a lot to power the work that we're doing, which in connection science, that means, you know, we are using data and machine learning. We are using AI, um, a lot of the work that I do has been to try to um, to connect the gap between those people that have access to technology and their understanding of it and those who don't. And that's not a one-way street. That is a multifaceted, multidirectional road that we're creating um, because what we have seen with the rise of technology and you know, it's the the technological connection to connection science um, has been a distortion of, you know, the people that it's representing. And so the ways, the more ways that we can identify um, developing an inclusive experience uh, where all people have uh, input into how these technologies are rising and also access to these technologies changing our lives. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think we are going to see some really dramatic changes in industry because of the rise of technology. And I hope that Virago Futures is just one of many that's going to be supporting communities in this transition. Okay. All right. So, so we're talking about the economics of staying and keeping the, 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 I like what you said, the multi-directional growth of of companies and how people work together and when i think of companies i think of um ideas that become products or services um i think of uh how we decide to do exchange of energy of money and so forth however that's going to look um so i guess i wanted to ask you about that piece you mentioned about the intuition of you know, when you were introducing, after I introduced you and asked you about connection science, you said, let me add one more. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about actually carrying the title of CEO and also being intuitive? Or is that something maybe all CEOs are doing? They're just not articulating it to the rest of us out here. So we just imagine like a, you know, a pantsuit and, you know, fancy shoes and a big paycheck and a title. And where are we with the intuition of leadership out there? What's your pulse out there? Yeah. Um, 
I see it. I wouldn't go so far as to say that every CEO is using their intuition, but I do think that as we are seeing leadership change and adapt, that to me, intuition is a, a core principle to leadership. If you you have to be able to trust your gut, to be aligned with your center, in order to be um, a leader that can you know, inspire people and take them along in, in the journey. Um, so for me, the intuition part is, am I, am I in alignment? Is what I'm doing, uh, supporting not just the good for me, but the good, the highest and best for all beings. Wow. And that's where you get into the ecosystem architect. Is that for the environment or is that for society, humans, or is it both? How, mm. how are you connecting to all beings? Well, so I look at ecosystem architect. I, I have been organizing that in, in terms of four-dimensional design. So that means that, one, we help to determine we help to design what the core program or product is for the people that we're working with then two we develop the digital infrastructure so leveraging technology how can we be connecting people then three it's the physical infrastructure so um, how are they physically being connected with whatever it is that we're creating? Sometimes that's in the form of an experience or an event. Um, and sometimes it's just the design of how pe people might physically connect with whatever it is that you're envisioning. And then the fourth dimension is really, um, in a very physical plane definition of it, it is thinking about both space and time that impacts what you're creating. So it is the consideration of the history that goes into it. And that history could be all inclusive, right? You could be thinking very concretely, you know, perhaps you're thinking about like civil rights or the history of America and how that impacts things. Or you could be thinking about the history of the earth and the world and it's it and um the impact that it has on the vision that you're creating as well as the sort of forward thinking vision around it so what is the future impact you hope to see just you know what is the the clearly set intention that you're manifesting within this creation so it sounds like you're shaping a holistic leadership in in the in the greatest broadest sense of of what we can be to, to oversimplify, you know, I, I'm noticing, I want to, I want to say this to Jean, that I'm noticing that you have an ability and it feels like a unique ability to break down and itemize and be very clinical about, um, subjects that might even seem taboo because they're, spiritual or expansive or shamanic or light worker energy i'm noticing you're pretty good at merging mm -hmm. both and and i'm also noticing that you're unapologetically saying that this is this should not be unique it's not necessarily unique for folks out there that you're connecting with as you're raising your vibration your 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 expression and 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 that this might be the new way of doing business i see that out there um you know, loads of posts about 
meditation before you make a big decision and um, people are talking more about, well, we had a big discussion right around the eclipse and the way people started to think more holistically because of the history of the earth. Um, probably for the first time, we had, we were, were really expansive and we watched the whole you know community, however big that community is, experience something like the solar eclipse. And, um, and, and for a moment, for a blip, I felt like, uh, there is an opportunity to find a meeting place for, for leadership, for people to start leading better, um, being more awake. I, 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 I'm wondering what your thoughts were, um, what your thoughts are as you, as you thinking about a term I've heard you use before, which is the media literacy. How, if we think about leaders and leaders uh, help control the conversation or help guide the conversation at best, at worst, control the conversation, right? Um, what do you think about the listeners, the followers, the people? At any given day, I can be a leader and a follower. So it's not a total, I, full identity. It's just the roles we play. When we're in the role of a follower, um, somebody who needs to be media literate, what, what is your understanding of media literacy out there? Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a really big question. And you've actually I know, touched, I know. Wait, you've touched upon some really important things. And so um, before I answer the question directly about me media literacy, I actually just want to point to something, which is that we all play the role of being listeners or followers. And I actually think that our ability to do that is um, the trait of a good leader. Um, ah, that's nice. Yeah. That in, in this, this new paradigm of leadership, as we imagine it, um, that the ability to listen and be a follower is just as important as your ability to shine a light and um, be an example for others to follow. Um, and I think as I've been thinking about leadership, I think about we all are leaders, um, that leadership is really just about um, accepting the responsibility and accountability of both yourself and that connectedness to all other beings. Mm. Wow. I want to just quote that, soundbite that, wrap it up and... Send it, <laughs> send it out to the universe. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So I think you know it's also embedded. I will say um, in the name. The name of my company is is Virago Futures. Virago. The definition of Virago is actually the way I define it is the heroic qualities of the feminine. And um, so the work that we have been doing has, you know, is one where we we're purposefully filling up um, the yin in the space in order to create a more holistic experience. And so when that applies to media and media literacy and the work that we're doing with media, I think the first step um, for me is always how to become an active listener. Um, huh. You know, and, and part of that is, I will say, you know, my career rose through journalism. So I've worked for some journalism organizations. I was the digital director of this global organization called the Online News Association. And um, 
that is this network of people who are are really working together. It's a it's a co- global community that has formed around this intersection of journalism and technology. Um, and so that sort of speaks to to the way that we are defining media literacy now, um, because media has a much broader term than traditionally has been used. Right, like a few a few decades ago, media would be print. Um, mm-hmm. It would be the newspaper or perhaps the you know the the television news, and today media literacy is so much broader than that. It incorporates technology. It incorporates you know understanding data and data literacy to a different degree. It um, it incorporates you know we have today we're dealing and this is something that I work on specifically around truth and misinformation and fake news um, and really being able so it isn't even just about your ability to listen it is um, your ability to trust the information that you're receiving and to know that it's coming from a trusted source and I think that is where media literacy has grown incredibly complicated for us. Mm. Um, And I would say in this world, there are a few of us that really hold the true skills of um, uh, mastery around media literacy today. Well, what would be, uh, you're so good at listing off like a top three. Um, What would be examples of like three media literacy um, like components so that you, you know, you're immediate literate if you ABC. Am I putting you on the spot too much on that? Yeah, no. And I will say, I mean, this definition is roving, right? So I'll give you the one, two, three for today. Um, The media literacy is validating and verifying your source. Um, So whether that is it's that the information is coming from a trusted news source or it's, it's coming directly from a source that you know to be true um, but it's sort of understanding where misinformation and information is coming from. Um, two, it's being able to analyze the media. So, um, and, and part of that is that skill around the trust and verification. Um, but so much of the, the media and information that we receive is, has a lens to it. And, um, how is that, how is that, information presented to you? How does it make Mm -hmm. you feel? What does that mean? Um, and, and three is your ability to just listen. Um, and that is, you know, I think that so much of the news that we consume right now, it sends people into this reactive response. Um, you you hear something really bad and you instantly want to go and respond to it. Um, but you know, the journalist in me knows that, there's always more to the story. There's always more to uncover. And um, being able to just hold steady and listen in that space to be a container for the information before you um, before you respond, I think, is a critical skill to media literacy today. And, I, and, the, and the other piece about receiving news, um, I find, is that one of the parts that's never reported is... Um, whoever's experiencing the news, um, this is really through a light worker lens, is having an entirely different experience than the, the one who's talking about it uh, or reporting on it. Um, I've been in I've been in places where um, 
I've been, you know, newsworthy, and I don't even mean in a big way, maybe in the family or, you know, and, uh, or, but, but, but in the community, you know, and, uh, I remember I had a newspaper article done on me once, um, and I read my own words, but through the, through the eyes and ears of a reporter. And, um, I was like, well, that's not really quite at all what I was getting at, but I understand we needed to contain it. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't at all get my point across, but then again, I didn't write the story. And so we had that one or two degree of separation that was lost. And once you experience that just once, you get the same takeaway that you have, which is there's always more to the story. And, and from a light worker point of view, that was sort of my lead in. Um, when we see tragedy, um, when we what's called uh, when we're vicariously experiencing tragedy, which by the way is a whole nother show on trauma. Um, our bodies do respond to them, but what what's missing is that the person who's actually experiencing the trauma, whether we want to look at from the biology of shock or the, um, or the, the, the light working um, realm of spirit, they're getting a level of support that is impossible to report, or at least up until this moment, so that the complexity, the multiplicities of, of uh, any given news story, um, and we can think of you know really, really traumatizing news stories, but sometimes we can just think of court cases, or even when you see somebody on trial, there's so much more to the story, and for us to think that me, you know, just me as a, a lowly audience member, one of my roles is the listener. I, I feel like I listen better when I listen with my heart. And, um, you know, I actually, if I feel concern or discontent, um, I try to do something about it, but I, but you're right. I think the first step is to listen and to say, how can I respond to this in a healthy manner? Um, uh, and I know for sure one of the ways to not respond in a healthy manner is to get addicted to the rush of, of just the news cycle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I like what you said about listening and taking time to listen and hitting the pause button because that does exist. Well, and Hillary, I think you're touching upon something really important that I think we all need to remember. A, a lot of the news that we're fed sends us these messages of fear. So like when you were talking about, you know, the addiction of the news cycle, for me, it's that addiction to the fear response that we feel. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why the listening and the pause is so important because when we go to take that first step of action, can we find a space where we're responding with love instead of with fear? Um, and can we use that as our center for how to move forward? And that's the toughest work. Well, I always feel like you approach tough work. You even said the word destruction, but with a smile on your <laughs> yeah. face. Like you have like the reason why I'm doing the good energy healing show and not just the energy show, you know, <laughs> or the energy, the good energy healing show. And the reason why you're on this today is because I feel like you have this unbounded courage slash optimism even as you talk about destruction which is you know part of yin energy it's it's not the it's not the scary destruction it's the well you know breaking down something so something else can be new or or the cycle of i mean is it destruction this time of the year when the leaves fall or is it just part of the 
the cycle. Like, is it destruction when you stomp on leaves and they're crushing underneath your feet? Well, yeah, but uh, I'd be really concerned if the leaves didn't fall, like speaking of ecosystem. So where are we here with your well spring or your well of of optimism. Am I reading you? Yeah, right? that's, that's absolutely right. And, um, I think part of it is I, I, I will call it lucky. I've had some very, I've had some very substantial experiences through my life where I have had to move through chaos and destruction. Um, I think where it's manifested in my career has been really beautiful in that, you know, my time at the Online News Association, for example, we, um, that was a time of great fear in the industry and the Online News Association has played this really beautiful role of bringing people together. Um, but, you know, in particular, during the time period of like two, between 2008 and say 2013, was this massive experience of disruption in the news industry. So, you know, small local shops were closing down. Um, business models were being totally disrupted within mainstream organizations, and those were feeling threatened. The whole way, the whole infrastructure of that entire market was changing. And... Um, I got to play this very unique role as the digital director of the Online News Association where my job was to be listening to everyone across the field and to be identifying resources and sharing them across this network so that people could rebuild systems that would work within this new paradigm, if you will. So that's the change. That's the change you've already experienced. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and how's the rebuilding gone? Well, for me, I think it's going really well, to be honest with you. I mean, we have a long, we have a long way to go. But, um, you know, the, the motto of Farago Futures is really, you know, building the systems we want to see. We're, you know, we're really creating experiences where all people can thrive. And I think if we look at the history of... Um, some of our ecosystems, if our, if you will, our media ecosystems, they haven't been serving all people the way that they've currently been constructed. There's been a lot of people that have been left out of that conversation or whose lens does not get represented in a broader way, whose stories don't get told. Um, and so I see in this destruction and then in the rebuilding, and this is what technology has offered us, is, an, is um, the access to build these systems in ways that are more inclusive, to redistribute our power structures um, in ways that involve more people. Um, and I obviously, I don't think that we're there yet, but I do think, you know, if we can hold steady and true and calm through this ongoing chaos, it gives us the tools to build the systems in ways that right. will support everyone. Can you, um, you have a clever way of using words. And I'm sure that when I say ecosystem, many of us are thinking of our, you know, seventh grade biology class ecosystem. So you keep using ecosystem when you talk about media, when you talk about companies, 
what is what is this and, and what is an ecosystem architect? What 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 is this title that you have when you say ecosystem? I you're not in the woods here. <laughs> where where are, where are or maybe you are? You know where are yeah. you with the ecosystem terminology? Well, I yeah. love it. I want to hear. Yeah, more. I mean ecosystems are really just. Um, taking a look at the holistic picture that's surrounding something. So, for example, in the media ecosystems, if you even just think about the ways your your daily news consumption, right? I imagine that you probably receive information from a number of different points. You know, perhaps you turn on the radio and you're getting a little public radio in the car or you know, you might have the local news, the local TV news on your TV while you're making dinner, um, or, you know, maybe you've picked up the paper or you're at the local coffee shop and the paper is there and you can read it, or you're on Facebook or you're, um, you know, walking down the street and your neighbor tells you about what happened with your friend. Your media, e your media ecosystem is all of those things. It is a total experience that um, that it defines your, your, that ecosystem. And so, um, thinking about all of the different, you know, for me, when I think about the ecosystem, I'm like, what is the total component? Um, what are all the different components that are, are merged together to form your holistic experience? Um, and so ecosystems can be large and small. Sometimes, you know, you can look down, if you want to talk about a natural ecosystem, you know, you could, you could look down on the ground and see like an ant colony and there's a whole ecosystem happening around there. Right, right. And so I think I have adopted the term ecosystem because really in terms of, you know, community organizing and movement building and network building, I'm thinking about all of the comprehensive layers that comprise the ecosystem of whatever change it is that we hope to see. Um, and so, you know, again, on this very, very specific to the work that I do, it is the core concept it is the digital infrastructure or ecosystem that gets around it, you know, that surrounds that. Um, it's the physical ecosystem. And then it's, you know, the sort of holistic and universal influence in that ecosystem. So um, it's sort of, it's like a meta use of the term <laughs> over and over again. It's infinite ecosystems. Okay, you are such a wordsmith. I mean, I'm putting that on my list of uh, things that you are because you, be, and, but that's what media, that's the ultimate media, isn't it? That's the language, mm -hmm. right? Language is the ultimate media. So, so, so we're changing the idea and it, and wouldn't, it isn't that a great idea to change or expand the idea of ecosystem because the, the idea in, in, of either or separation, that's a big, that's a big story that's been going on for a little too long. Like there's this ecosystem, but society is different. You know, there's an ecosystem for ants, as you said, but, oh, but we're not part of the ecosystem. We're part of society or we're part of something else. So you, you, with one word, with one broad stroke say, oh no, oh no, we have the ecosystem here and the ecosystem there. And I encourage you to keep using that term ecosystem and I'll keep using mm -hmm. it too. And, 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 um, and that's just me on this podcast being introduced to it. And I'm sure you already have your team and your world of people out there and the network out there. Um, that is actually one of my big questions for you. Um, I feel like 
you are on the cutting edge. You're, you're out there, you're working um, throughout New York State, including New York City, um, and you have a global company, and you're meeting some of uh, like-minded people out there. And if there are like-minded people doing the work you're doing, I'd be optimistic too. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, what is one of a, pro a project you might be willing and able to share that you're most excited about um, going on in your life right sure. now? Sure. So a, a project actually that we launched just a couple of weeks ago that I think is really important is called the 22 by 20 campaign. And this is out of a uh, Varego launched or you launched it with somebody else? We launched else? it in partnership with this organization called the lamp and a number of other groups. So I will say rarely does Virago futures launch a project on our own. Um, most of our projects, our partnerships, usually with a larger group of people. So um, that's so very in of you. It's always funny when people ask me, like, so who are your clients? And I'm like, well, it's usually a collaboration of people that vary between, you know, the um, an institution or multiple institutions that are invested and then maybe, you know, some foundations or private investors. Um, 22 by 20 is this really beautiful media literacy project. Um, it, it, it is, the origin is from this group called the lamp, which is a media, a youth media literacy organization based out of New York city. And a couple of weeks ago we held the launch of the 22 by 20 campaign. So well, what is, what is 20? Yes. 22 by yeah. 20. What is, what's that name? What's that name from? What is 22? It's 22 yeah, by 20. So 22 is okay. 22 million. There will be 22 million young people who will be a voting age by the year 2020. Oh, 22 by 20. By 20. Yes. 22. So it's 22 million by 2020. Yep. There are got 22 it. million so young people. Yeah. yeah. And so okay, we seek to reach each one of them and invite and empower them to um, be informed, active participants in our democracy. Okay. And that's, that's what uh, you're out there. That's, that's what you're excited and working on to do. How are you going to reach these young people? Who are these young people? Are they in high school? Are they, they are in I'm, tr I'm trying to do the math sure. right now. So, so the, the math is, I mean, really, we're reaching all young people. And 22, the 22 million, it's just a catchy phrase, right? They're, the numbers in America are that um, by the year 22, or I'm sorry, by the year 2020, 22 million students will, you know, young people will be of voting age, will have turned 18 and are eligible to vote. Um, this campaign is really seeking to reach, you know, that like 13 to even 25 year old demographic. And um, we're going to do it a lot of different ways. There's no uniform answer other than to say the most important strategy for this campaign is that it is led by young people. Um, and that is going to be the key to success with this. Um, on a very physical level, there are sort of two groups that have emerged around the campaign. One is a working group around educators, and they're thinking about a whole creative suite of educational programs that can support, you know, the school systems and the evolution of media literacy within, and, you know, civic engagement within 
our education system. Mm -hmm. Where Virago Futures is going to lead is in what became known as the hub of disruption. Oh, the hub of disruption. Okay, I'm getting a theme here. So the, ha, ha, I'm getting a theme that I don't know. I'm going to be the wordsmith for the second. You know, a happy, happy destruction, joyful chaos, and the hub of disruption. Okay, because this is how this is how change is going to happen. Yeah. All right. So the hub of disruption is going to be. Um, a suite of creative community experiences that are really meant to help connect um, and inspire young people to be part of this democratic process. So um, we've only just begun the work, but you know we've been thinking about our first sort of milestone for the campaign is around uh, the 2018 State of the Union. And we've been thinking through what it would look like to create you know, whether it's like a truth platform or um, a uh, watch parties around it, what, what we're really thinking about is the before, during, and after around the State of the Union. So before, can we be giving, um, can, we, can we be inviting young people to be sharing their vision for the priorities of America um, and then can we invite them to watch our president give his State of the Union address? And, um, and then can they offer their analysis on what he said and how that matches with their own priorities and what they hope to see in the country? Well, that feels like a great contribution to just the, the American uh, experiment as we sit here at this old but not so old country here as we're, we're still figuring out our story and you're helping the next generation. Uh, well, they seem to know their voice, but to put it in the right, you know, to put it in the right power center. Um, I, I'm over and over again, amazed and awed with the work that I do with what I'm seeing happening with the teenagers and the young adults and their awareness and their fearlessness. Um, and it might just be the, 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 the people who come into my life with the, with the work that I do, with the, the intuition work and the healing and the medical work. But um, I, I feel very positive. Have you been able to interact with that age group, the, the 13 to 20-year-olds right now? Have, yeah. you, have you asked them what they yeah. think about um, your project? Yeah. And they're, um, for those that we have reached so far, there's incredible excitement. There's a lot of momentum. Um, I think, and there was a little bit of heartbreak, which is why I'm very, um, I'm very focused on the language around the invitation. Um, because this, the students, you're right. They do know their voice. They know very much what's important to them and they know how to connect with one another. Um, but one of the things that I have been seeing across with the young people that I've been engaging with around this is they don't see where adults take them seriously. So they don't see where their voice is empowered within the total system. And so they want to not only be heard um, and to be part of the broader conversation, they want a seat at the table, um, but they also want to be part of making that change moving forward. And you think you can, Build that into the 2022 movement? I do. And I think that part of that work is also going to be supporting and guiding the adults 
Um, because I think they're actually, you know, all we need to do is give a platform and the tools to the students, the young people, and they're going to know just what to do. Um, the hardest work around this project is really going to be corralling the adults and getting them to stay out of the kids' way, getting them to truly respect and value the voice of our young people. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so you continue to be optimistic. You continue to be courageous. You continue to be a leader out there. And we've learned that as a leader, you're a great listener. You're, you're a great sharer. You, you're, you're creating in many ways your own medium. Um, what, what is supporting and influencing you right now out there um, as your I like to say just out there on the edge of change, um, which is brave, right? So, so what's giving you your encouragement? Uh, what's what like, for instance, like what's on your, what's on your mind or what's, what's, what are the books that are in front of you right now that are encouraging yeah. you? Um, I would say connection to spirit and my light work is what is encouraging me the most. Um, okay. So the book, that's in front of me right now is this book called Our Love is Our Power by Sharon McGurlane. Our Love is Our, our Power. Is our Power, okay. yeah. And it's working with the net of light that holds the earth. Um, this, is the, this book I just picked up this week, and it introduced me to The Grandmothers, um, which is an interpretation of the connection to God, but not God as in the heavenly father, as we've known him, but God as in um, the goddess, the mother and yin energy. Um, and so the grandmothers are like, a, what are the grandmother? What do you mean by, you're not talking about your, you know, biological grandmother. No. What are you talking about when you talk about the well, grandmothers? Well, the grandmothers in this book are, is, um, is a connection via shamanic journeying that the author takes. Um, and so I have understood it as, you know, for me, in my everyday language, I've been connecting the grandmothers as like the connection to spirit. The grandmothers to me are spirit. They are the creator. They are this, these sort of guardians. Um, and it's, um, it's a connection to the light. And um, the, the light for me is love. And it is energy, and um, it is it is extremely powerful. And so, I find that as I open up to that, I experience the enormity of that power on in new ways, in greater ways. Um, and I find it to be soothing and nurturing, and um. And guiding, um, yeah, right. And because you're a guide, I mean, you're you're guiding out there. So I would think the guides need guides. Yeah. And and so the what do the grandmothers look like in your mind? Like I like to ask sometimes these questions about look like or feel like. I know in the uh, questionnaire I sent you before, I asked you about you know what does energy look like, and you said it looks like light, but it also feels like a knowing. Yeah. So what, what do the grandmothers look or feel like to you? Um, well, it's funny. So in this book, in, in one of the early couple of chapters, you know, she, she travel, the author travels on this shamanic journey um, and she travels up to see the grandmothers and they first show up as um, a bunch of eagles. 
And um, she was saying in the story, the author holds these events where she brings people together and introduces the concept of the grandmothers, the light and love of the grandmothers. And in it, they were describing how at each of those gatherings, um, they're going around and they're placing their eagle talons on each person's head to sort of activate them. And so I don't know that I, I mean, I guess I see the grandmothers in terms of the synchronicity that I feel all the time, like in a very physical, plain way. I think, you know, like I saw the grandmothers in the form of a hawk the other day that was like presenting itself as if in response to my thoughts and some of the understanding that I was um, gaining as I was out there. Um, But I also, I bring up that story around the eagles because it reminded me there are certain times when I'm meditating or where I'm deeply connected to spirit where I will like feel something on top of my head. Um, And I always knew, you know, it was this weird sensation. I always knew it was good, but I didn't know how to understand it until I read that chapter. And then I thought, oh, aha, it's the eagle's talon on my head. It's them, you know, sort of activating me in some way. So... And that goes back. That goes back to probably why you're able to use the. Well, I'm going to jump and say, bring it all the way around to ecosystem for you, because you're understanding that the forms that this light is taking is unlimited, and and in terms of time too. So you're you're reminded of something that you've ex- already experienced, and that's in many ways the one of my best indicators of synchronicity happening where where something new is happening or you're reading something new but it feels more like a remembering yeah. Is, yeah. is that right is yeah. that what you're Absolutely. okay and so that yeah so there's this cal- this cal- calmness behind your optimism and and, and and you have so much energy, like so much like physical in your voice and, and the way you shape your day and the work you're doing and the projects that you're doing are vast. And you're already looking at um, 2020. Thank you very much. Good for you because it's not that far away, right? Um, but you're bold and you're courageous, but you have this calm about you um, that I think is probably the foundation of your optimism. Um, if that's the... That's the word I'm landing yeah. on for you today. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and I wanted to, you know, just sort of ask you um if you could help all of us, me and our listeners, where do you find your way to this knowing? Do you have a like a quick takeaway strategy? I know I'm asking a lot, Jean, but like where do you go when you're in the middle of your busy day um shaking up ecosystems so that they'll become healthier um and 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 being out there with other uh thought leaders in the world when you need to feel like you're connected to the intuitive power of your leadership um where where is it that you go um for for to to reset yourself um to my heart i really go to my heart um, and that sort of that deep listening when I, when I can access and it has taken on different forms, um, <clears throat> whether that's 
you know, I mean, as you were just describing that, I was picturing myself in the midst, you know, of like a very busy room and those times when I've been really tested around, you know, the energy that I'm moving or, you know, maybe I'm facilitating an event and leading a large group of people. And um, those moments when I start to feel off balance, it is just, can I find my center? Can I, can I return to the center of my heart? And let that be what guides me. Um, mm. I also ha I have a lot of tools, and I use the tarot a lot, and I use um, a couple of different decks. And that becomes sometimes when I can't hear my own heart, you know, because that is a practice that takes practice. Um, but I find I have found that through some really traumatic experiences, when I wasn't in the place where I could listen to my own heart, I did I I use tools like the tarot deck or the animal spirit deck to help remind me um, of my intuition and remind me what my heart was saying so that I could go back to the knowing my own heart again. Mm. Well, it just sounds like you are living in this new renaissance. You see it on the horizon and this rebirthing, you know, which is part of, part of, um, just everything that we spoke about today. Um, and I just wanted to thank you so much for everything that you shared and the work that you're doing out there and stay in touch with us, please, because, um, you've connected, you've, you, you sounds like you're connecting to America right now, the heart of America. And, um, I'm proud to say that this is, you know, part of this beautiful, media revolution that we're having is that we'll be speaking to whoever can listen. And so I, I'm happy to share and promote anything that you're, that you're working on right now in uh, Varego futures. I hope, you know, you continue to be a global company and, and keep, keep bringing technology through connection science. And I, I wanted to thank you for your time today and your energy and your good <laughs> energy and, uh, and um, really sharing uh, what's going on out there in the cutting edge of, of how we're going to do better as a community on the little scales and the big oh. scales. So thank you so thank much. Thank you, Jane. Hillary. It's such a pleasure to join you. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. We will be in touch. Have a beautiful day and continue to put the good energy <laughs> out there. Thanks. Good work. I'll okay. talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Jane.